message. We are uh, continuing a series we've been in now for five weeks called You Were Made For. You Were Made For. Uh, The truth of the matter is there are times in each and every one of our life where we begin to wonder, man, why in the world am I even here? Uh, We begin to wonder, you know, why was I even born? There are certain people who would have you think that they were super intelligent and that they have all the answers to every question. They'd like for you to believe that you are an accident, like humanity just kind of evolved from this sort of pool of ooze, but that's just a myth. Uh, That's how the Ninja Turtles got here, okay? Uh, That's how Raphael, Leonardo, Donatello, and Michelangelo got here, and Mr. Splinter. They evolved from the ooze, the secret of the ooze, Uh, but that's not how we got here. The psalmist said it best in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 14. He says this, for you created my inmost being, talking about God, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Those verses right there tell us that God made you, God made me. He made each and every one of us. And he didn't make us by accident. He didn't make us by mistake. He made us on purpose for a purpose and with a purpose. And so in this series, what we've been doing is we've been talking about some of the reasons why we were made, why we were made. And so we started off the series by saying we were made for Christ. We were made for Christ. The very next week we talked about we were made for impact. You and I were made to make a difference in this world. The very next week we talked about how God made us for confidence. Last week, Pastor Todd preached about the fact that you and I were made for unity. And as we wrap up this series this morning, we want want you to know, I want you to know that you were made for joy. You were made for joy. Joy. Now, how many of you would like a little more joy in your life? You want a little more joy in your life? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, We want some joy. We want lasting joy, right? We want permanent joy in our life. And that's what the Apostle Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. If you got your Bible, you want to go ahead and turn there, feel free to do that. Paul talks about you and I having the joy of the Lord. Now, why is it so important that you and I have the joy of the Lord? Well, it's important that you and I have the joy of the Lord because if we've got the joy of the Lord, it does two things for us. First off, it will help us respond to bad news in great ways. It will help us respond to bad news in great ways. How many of y'all know that the bad news is going to come in life? Amen. Amen. Bad news is going to come. You're going to wake up one morning and your air condition is not going to work. You're going to wake up one morning and your car is not going to crank. You're going to wake up one morning you're going to go to Taco Bell and you want some tacos and they're going to tell you they're out of tacos. How does Taco Bell run out of tacos? It happens, right? It's bad news. You go to, you go to McDonald's, you want one of the McFlurries and they're going to say, ice cream machine is broken. Bad news happens in this world. Bad news happens like that in areas like that, but also bad news comes to us in a little more devastating areas of our life. Sometimes we get bad news through a phone call. Sometimes we get bad news through a text message. Sometimes we get bad news because of a knock on the door. Sometimes we get bad news because we went to the doctor. Sometimes kids get bad news when they get those credit, those, those uh, not credit reports, but report cards. You know what I'm saying? What's my kid got a credit report for? Right, right, report cards, right? We get bad news. It's going to come. And so the thing of the matter is Paul, Paul had bad news come in his life, but he reacted to bad news in great way, great ways. And so we've got to learn if we want the joy of the Lord, We've got to learn that we can respond to bad news in great ways. Something else that we've got to get a grip on that Paul really understood was he understood the importance of living with the right mindset versus having mood swings. Having the right mindset versus having mood swings. 
swings. He had the proper mindset. Now, how many of y'all know somebody who lives their life with mood swings? You know, husbands are like, I don't know if I want to raise my hand here. You know what I mean? If she's sitting next to you, don't, don't elbow or don't point at her or anything like that. But again, you know, sometimes, again, we allow ourselves just to be pushed on the emotional mood swing. What happens is when you and I get around people who are in a bad mood, what happens to us? We ourselves get in a bad mood, right? When we get around somebody who's sad, what happens to us? We ourselves end up getting sad. When we get around somebody who's happy, what sometimes happens to us? We, we get happy being around them. We tend to let the people around us determine the level of joy that we're going to live with. And when that happens, we're just allowing ourselves to be pushed on the emotional mood swing every which away. And so what happens in Philippians chapter 4 is there's a problem. There is a conflict, and it's affecting the atmosphere. It's affecting the joy of all the people in the room. Last week, Pastor Todd talked about how we were made for unity. And have you ever, have you ever how many of y'all ever had an argument with somebody? If you ain't raising your hand, you're a liar, and don't nobody like y'all. You know what I'm saying, man? We all have arguments. Have you ever noticed, too, that when you have an argument with somebody, when you're having a conflict with somebody, it tends to affect the relationship that you have with other people as well. Anybody know, anybody know what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about? It's like you get around somebody who's mad at Bubba. You know what I mean? They're mad at Bubba, and all they want to do is talk bad about Bubba. Uh, but you don't want to talk bad about Bubba because you and Bubba is friends, right? But Jethro wants to talk bad about Bubba. But Jethro's talk, Jethro talking bad about Bubba, but you don't want to tell Jethro not to talk bad about Bubba because you and Jethro is fans, friends too. And if Jethro starts talking bad about Bubba, you know, you just want to say, okay, man, I'm going to listen, but I don't want to talk bad about Bubba. And so then what happens is Jethro tells Bubba, you know, that you was with Jethro when Bubba was talking, Jethro was talking bad about Bubba, and Bubba's like, man, I can't even believe you would do that. You know what I mean? And so then Bubba and Jethro become friends, and they both hate you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you just have this conflict, you're like, man, what did he just say? I don't even know, right? But it messes up, man. When we, when we are having a conflict with somebody else, again, it, it messes things up. The lack of unity messes things up. It, it affects our relationships. The lack of unity also affects our joy. But in Philippians chapter 4, Paul teaches us how to increase the joy level in our life. In fact, he gives us two things that will help us increase the level of joy in our life. I want to point them out to you today. If you keep your notes, you want to write them down. The first thing that Paul shows us, if we want to increase our joy level, he says you got to rejoice through conflict. you got to learn to rejoice through conflict. Look at what he says in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. This is crazy. Paul says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So check this out. You got these two ladies. You got Yodia and you got Syntyche, and they are experiencing a conflict. These two ladies are having a fight. Now, I remember when I was in junior high or when I was in high school, every now and then you'd have two boys, two guys that wanted to scrap. You know what I mean? Anybody know what I'm talking about? They'd be ready. They'd be ready. They'd get ready. They'd want to they fight. And so what would happen is they'd start going at it, and there'd be a crowd of people who would, I don't, you know, I'm not saying violence is the answer. Don't do this. But everybody be, everybody be crowded around, and what were they saying? Fight, 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 right? Anybody do that? 
Just me? Pray for me. Okay, a couple of us. But anyway, so they'd be excited. There's a fight going on. There's a fight going on. And so everybody's yelling fight. And then because there's this crowd of people that's gathered around, coaches and teachers would come. And guess what they would do? They would break up the fight. Again, I remember when two boys, they'd just go at it. But I also remember when two girls would go at it. Ooh, man, ain't nothing like a girl fight, right? They'd be taking out their earrings. They'd be popping off their nails. Hey, hold this. And they'd be, man, they would go out. They'd be, they'd be scratching. They'd be slapping. They'd be yanking hair. You might see those things right there. And I remember everybody still be yelling, fight, fight. And the coaches and teachers would run over. And then when they found out it was two girls, they'd be like, you know, they, they're a little hesitant to get involved in that. Right? I heard it once say it takes a brave man to break up a fight between two men, but it takes a dead man, dead man to try to break up a fight between two girls. You know what I'm saying? Girl fights are rough. They're rough. And again, so this fight is going on between Yodia and Sintiki. And what's interesting is these are two church ladies, two church people, two Christians. Can you imagine? Can you believe that two Christians would have a conflict in a fight? Can you believe that that happens? It happened. It happened. And so Paul says, look, that's the way of the world. He says that's the way of the world. That's not how it's supposed to be. If you're going to follow Christ, Paul says, things have to look different. And so Paul says, I plead with you to be of the same mind. So let me give you three important lessons from a girl fight. Three important lessons from a girl fight. You want to write these down? How many of y'all glad you came to church? Say, oh, I need to know this right here. Yeah, This is all scriptural, okay? Three important lessons from a girl fight. Fight. I can't, the sad thing is, man, Paul is saying, hey, separate the ladies. These, these ladies right here used to be on the same team. They used to, they used to be on the same side, and he, they used to help Paul extend the gospel, but now conflict has come in, and there's this disagreement, and it has separated these two sisters in the faith, and so he gives us these three lessons, three important lessons from a girl fight. First one is this, hold different opinions, but share the same mind. Hold different opinions, but share the same mind. Mind. Paul, again, is trying to convince them to elevate their thinking. And in verse 2, he pleads with them to be of the same mind. Here's what I found in my own life. I have found that whenever I start putting distance between myself and Christ, that's when disunity begins to happen with me and other Christians. Has anybody else ever noticed that? Does that happen in your life? You know what I mean? When there's some distance between you and Christ, you start kind of getting mad at Christians. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Again, it happens for me. But on the flip side, I've noticed that the closer I get to Christ, the, the, the more unity there seems to be between me and fellow believers. Uh, and so St. Augustine, when he was talking about how we deal with one another, here's what he once said. St. Augustine said this. He said, in essentials, in essentials there should be unity. In non-essentials, there should be liberty, but in all things, charity. So, so what does that mean? In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, charity. Essentials, unity. What, what, are, what, are, what, what, should we, what are these essentials? Well, John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist Church, actually says something about this. Look at what he says. He says, I want the whole Christ as my Savior. Can we agree that's important? The whole Christ as our Savior. I need Jesus. I need all of Jesus. You need all of Jesus too. If you don't think you need all of Jesus, you definitely need all of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? We need the whole Christ as our Savior. That's an essential. Then he says, the whole book, the whole Bible for my book. The whole, from Genesis to Revelation with all of its complexities, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. That's essential. We need to be united when it comes to that. Then he says, the whole church 
for my fellowship. And that's where things kind of get messed up between us because as Christians, we're not really good at being united. Did you know there are over 41,000 different denominations in this world? 41,000. Again, we don't really do a good job being of the same mind, but I want you to know it is the will of Christ that his people be united. It really is. And so he goes on to say, in the whole world for my mission field. So Augustine says that in these essentials, there needs to be unity. But in non-essentials, what should there be? There should be liberty. What does that mean? It means that there should be freedom, right? You are free to think a certain way about certain things. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to drive a Chevy, right? You can drive a Chevy. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you can, right? If you want to cheer for Ole Miss, you can cheer for Ole Miss. You know what I mean? I don't know why you want It makes you weird, right? And some of y'all are like, well, they're going to the SEC championship. I ain't trying to hear that today. I ain't trying to hear that today. But again, you can cheer cheer for them if you want. In essentials, there is unity. In non-essentials, there is liberty. But in all things, charity. In all things, no matter what, there should be love. There should be love. So we can have different opinions, but let's share the same mind. The second lesson from a girl fight that we really need to to pick up is that being together is more important than being right. Being together is more important than being right. If you're married, you should know this. Stop trying to prove your point all the time and just do what you can to promote unity in the relationship. Uh, in, a, in a Peanuts comic strip cartoon, uh, we got a picture here, Lucy. Lucy demanded that Lioness change the channel. And so uh, she's kind of shaking her fist at him. And so Lioness says, what makes you think you can come in here and take over? And Lucy says, these five fingers right here. She says, individually, they are nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. And Linus says, which channel do you want me to turn it to, Lucy? And after he changes the channel, he walks away and he looks at his own hands. And he says, why can't you guys ever get together like that? Right? Why can't you get together like that? See, folks, disunity, when disunity comes in, it affects the, the, it affects the efficiency of the team. In this case, in Philippians chapter 4, it was affecting the efficiency of the gospel. Again, these girls used to be on the same team. They used to help Paul promote the gospel, but now they are actually hindering it. Unity is so important. Rising above our opinions and above our preferences so that we have the same mind in Christ, it affects the spread of the gospel when the world looks at the church and we can't seem to get along. It does. So the third lesson from this girl fight that I want you to see that Paul points out is don't let an argument be your legacy. Don't let an argument be your legacy. Don't let an argument mark your reputation. Look at what Paul actually says in verse 4 and 5. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice! Then he goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. See, folks, isn't it interesting when you read this passage of Scripture right here that the the only reference to these two ladies is in reference to a fight? It's in reference to a fight. It's their conflict 
that's recorded in God's word. And it's their conflict that you and I are looking at today. So a question that we might need to ask ourselves is, what do I want to be known for? What do I want to be known for? Or what is it that some people know you for? What is it that people remember about you? Is it a conflict that you were involved in? You know, it's sad that all too often what the church as a whole is known for is an organization that just can't work out its own issues. But what if we were known for something else? What if we were known for unity of the Spirit? What if we were known for togetherness? What if we were known for the explosive and expanding love of Jesus Christ? What if we were known for, for actually going out in our community and spreading the gospel? Man, if that's what we want, if that's what you want, if that's what I want, it takes us being intentional. It takes you and I making a choice. See, the truth is rejoice is found in rechoice. Rejoice is found in re-choice. Joy is a choice. All these girls needed to do was make a choice to rejoice, and this situation would have been resolved. And that's why Paul is so concerned about this. In verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Man, let me say it again. Rejoice. That's basically what he says. Even though you don't see eye to eye on every issue, rejoice. Even though you don't agree that Ole Miss is, a, is, is good or bad, rejoice. Even though you always talk noise about Mississippi State, rejoice. Even though you're not going to agree with everybody on every issue, man, rejoice. Paul says in spite of it all, rejoice. Rejoice through conflict. John Maxwell, one of the experts on leadership, says when you're dealing with a difficult person, when you are dealing with conflict with an individual, he says, find the 1% of what the two of you can agree on and then put 100% of your attention on that. 1% that you can agree on. Not 5%, not 10%, not 30%, not 50%. Find 1% that you can agree on with that person and then give 100% of your energy to that. You say, Robert, you tell me just to ignore all the bad things, all the negative things. I'm just saying choose to focus on the positive and not the problem and let Jesus deal with the person. So Paul says rejoice, but look at what else he says in verse 5. He says in verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your what be known to all? gentleness. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, you better know me for my gentleness and give him a fist. What's bad is that some of us aren't known for our gentleness at all. In fact, some of us, you know what we're known for? Outburst of anger. We're known for our smart mouth. We're known for our divisive attitudes. But Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all, let it be obvious to everybody else, your gentleness. What's he saying? He's saying when there is a conflict, make sure that you're known for extending grace, for being forgiving. Rejoice through conflict. So how do you raise your joy level? 
you rejoice through conflict. The second thing, the second thing that Paul points out is that you need to rejoice through circumstances. Rejoice through circumstances. Look at verse uh, 6, starting in verse 6, Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So in these verses right here, what Paul tells us is how to have the right mindset. He's telling us how to get off of the emotional mood swing. And he gives us five steps to doing that. Again, write these down. These will help you. The first step that he says, hey, you want to get off the emotional mood swing and you want to have the right mindset? Here's what he says. Step one, don't worry. Worry about nothing. Worry about nothing. What did he say? He said, do not be anxious about anything. Now, how in the world... Can Paul write that? I mean, I understand that we're not supposed to sweat the small things, right? But Paul didn't say, hey, don't worry about the small things. Paul said, worry about nothing. What you talking about? What you talking about, Paul? What you talking about? I mean, how in the world, how in the world are we supposed to worry about? Did Paul not understand life? What kind of bubble was Paul living in? I mean, we got house payments. We got car payments. We got utility payments. We got car problems. We got AC problems. We got relational problems, financial problems. Anybody, anybody live in the same world I live in? Man? What in the world is Paul talking about? How can he write worry about Nothing. Does he even know what it's like to experience frustration and anxiety himself? Yeah, he does. See, 10 years before he writes this book, before he writes this letter to the Philippian church, he actually writes a letter to the Corinthian church. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, look at what Paul says. He's speaking about himself. He says, I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea, just floating. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Man, you thought you had a rough life. This guy's been through it. And so what you and I have is not someone who's never had a reason not to worry telling us not to worry. You've got somebody who has experienced difficulty after difficulty after difficulty, and he's saying, don't worry. I know y'all, anybody remember that old Bob, Mc, 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 what is it, Bob, Bob McFerrin, McFerrin song? Y'all remember that? You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Here's a little song I wrote. Might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. In every life you got some trouble, but when we worry, we make it double. Don't worry. He goes on to say, man, he goes on to say, ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and stole your bed. Don't worry. Right? He said, the landlord said the rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry. 
be happy. He's echoing the words of Paul here. Don't worry. Why should you and I not worry? Because worry destroys. Worry doesn't rob tomorrow of its sorrow. Worry robs today of its strength. Worry destroy, but joy activates. Joy activates so many positive things in your life. And Paul says you've got to learn to rejoice through the circumstances. So step one is don't worry. Step two he gives us is pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Look at what he says in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. Folks, you know that God wants to hear your prayers? He does. He's interested in your prayer. Prayer is the language that you and I use all day to communicate with our Heavenly Father. He's interested in your life. He is. You can pray about anything. You can pray about everything. God is so powerful that he created the universe. He's so powerful that he can change the universe, but he's so caring that he wants to hear your prayers. Corey Ten Boone, who is a survivor of concentration camps, someone who knows how the real world is and somebody who knows what it should be like to worry, she said this one time when she was in a concentration camp. She said, my God is the God of the telescope. He can see the furthest star. Why? Because he placed it there. He's the God of the telescope. But my God is also the God of the microscope. He is a caring God who sees every detail of my life. So do not be anxious about anything. Uh, Pray about everything that that, that goes on in your life. That's step one and two. Step three is this. Thank God about all things. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Thank God about all things. Again, look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Paul is trying to get you and he's trying to get me to live our lives with a sincere sense of gratitude for who God is and what God has done in our lives. All too often, our problem is we focus on all the things that we don't have. We spend too much time thinking about all the stuff that we don't have, so much so that we begin to forget about the many blessings that we really do have. Folks, if there is air in your lungs today, you are blessed. If there are clothes on your back, you are blessed. If you got money in your wallet, man, you are blessed. If there's food at your house, you are blessed. God has been good to each and every one of us, and we ought to live our lives thanking Him for all things. The fourth step that Paul has for us when it comes to rejoicing through circumstances is swap old things for new things. Swap old things for new things. Look at at verse 7. Paul says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. See, the old thing, the old things are worry. The old thing is anxious thoughts. But the new thing is the peace of God. How many of y'all say, man, I want the peace of God in my life. Man, I want the peace of God in my life. I want, how many of y'all, if you don't want peace, you want turmoil. So again, how many of y'all want peace? Man, I want the peace of God in my life. And so here's what Paul says. Paul says, swap out worry, swap out anxiety with the peace of God. God, a peace that's so amazing, it transcends all understanding. It's a peace that is so crazy 
people will look at you like you're just in denial, like you don't have a clue. They'll be like, I don't understand. Your life can be a disaster. It can all be falling apart, and you'll just have this peace, and you'll be praising, and they'll think you are crazy. Why? Because it's a peace that just cannot be understood. And so what's crazy about this moment when Paul actually writes this, what's crazy to me is that he's chained to a Roman guard. So he's writing this letter, and I think that the Holy Spirit uses what's happening in his life right now to communicate something to him, but also to us. So he's writing, and Paul's like, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And he's writing, and he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will... And he's thinking about what he needs right next will. And so he looks to his left and he sees that guard. And the Holy Spirit says, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind just like this guard is guarding you right now. See, the word that Paul uses here in the Greek is the term for a military figure. It is a literal guard. I was watching a video this past week of the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington, National Cemetery in Virginia. And so this guard is just walking back and forth in front of this tomb. And in the video that I was watching, the crowd that was gathered there began to kind of get unruly. They began to kind of be disruptive. They began to kind of laugh and, and they, were, they, were, they, were, they were making noise. And you know what that guard did? That guard yelled. He stopped grabbed his gun. He said, it is requested that everybody maintain a level of silence and respect. And everybody was like, how many of y'all know that freak you out, right? Y'all be like, oh, that's just normal at my house, right? But that'd be freak you out. Well, folks, that's what Paul says the peace of God will do in your life. The peace of God will guard your heart and mind. When worry tries to creep into your life, the peace of God is like, not today. When anxiety tries to come your way and all these anxious thoughts and problems come, the, the, God, the peace of God will say, get this step and not today. How many of y'all want that kind of guard in your life? That's what I want. I want that kind of guard to protect my heart and my mind. So we swap out old things for new things. And the fifth step that Paul has for us when it comes to rejoicing through circumstances is to think about the right things. Think about the right things. Look at verses 8 and 9 of Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. God of peace will be with you. See, in those two verses, Paul connects right thoughts with right actions. He connects right thoughts with right actions. And it's so important that you and I realize that our thoughts influence our actions. How many of y'all own a child? You picked up one or two of those. I got three. I got three kids. I own three of them. Still paying for them. The other day, the other day, I love Sadie Kate. I love them all. Sadie Kate is just, she's a different, she's a different kid. 
And so the other day I told Sadie Kate, Sadie Kate, it's time for bed. So she goes and she gets in the bed, but like five minutes later, she's out of bed. I'm like, Sadie Kate, you got to go to bed. So she goes and she gets in the bed. About five minutes later, she's back out of bed. Anybody live in my world, you know what I mean? That happens at your house. So I'm like, Sadie Kate, go to bed. So she goes and she gets back in bed and she comes back. I'm like, Sadie Kate, your boy is tired. I got to go to bed. I can't go to bed till you go to bed. And so she said, Dad, I can't sleep. I said, I said, why, baby? Why can't you sleep? And she said, I'm, I'm scared. I said, what are you scared of, baby? She said, the clown's going to kill me. I thought, is there, is there a clown in our house? I don't like clowns. I know I can run faster than her, though. So, I mean, I'm in, I mean, but I'm in. But I was like, what is she talking about? A clown going to kill her? I said, what do you mean? She said, somebody told me a clown was going to break in tonight and kill me. She's just consuming her thoughts. And so she couldn't sleep. So you know what I did? I laid down with her in the bed. We said our prayers. And then I, I just made up a story. I told her a story about princesses and unicorns and cotton candy. You know what she did? She fell asleep. She fell asleep. Again, our thoughts influence our actions. And Paul says, think about what you think about. You ever done that? You ever thought about all the stuff that you allow yourself to think about? Paul says, think about it. He says, think about the noble things, the right things, the pure things, the lovely things, the admirable things, the excellent things, the praiseworthy things. He says, set your mind on those things. Why? Because our thoughts influence our actions. And what's wild is all these things that Paul tells us to set our mind on, those are the things that lead us to joy. You don't have to go out and search for joy. Just think about these things and it will lead you to the source, the true source of joy. You know what the true source of joy is? It's Jesus. And so what you and I have to decide when it comes to worry and when it comes to all these things is we've got to decide, are we going to trust God? Is, is God trustworthy? Are his promises true? Has God been faithful in the past? Has God really ever let us down? I know in my own life the answer is no, he's not. There have been some times where I thought, but he's never let me down. He's always been faithful to me. And so since that's the issue, since that's the truth, I've got to decide, hey, you know what? Why live with worry? Why live with panic when I can trust God today? And the same thing is true for you. Why live with worry? Why live with panic when you can trust God today? And when you trust God, he'll give you a peace that transcends all understanding. Do you want that peace today? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder today, maybe you're here today, first off, and you just don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. 
He's the source of joy. I believe that with all of my heart. He's the real source. And maybe you're here today and you're bogged down with a lot of worry. And you think, man, there's no way that God could love me. That's not true. God brought you here to this place this morning to hear that he loves you, to hear that he died for you, and to hear that he wants to have a relationship with you. And so if you're here today and you know you need to give Jesus your heart and you need to give Jesus your life, that's the first step, again, I'm telling you, to real, lasting, sustainable joy. And so if that's what you want, I'm going to ask it right where you pray this prayer. Father, today I pray that you would forgive me that you would forgive me for all of my sins and that right now, Father, you would come into my heart and that you would save me. Today, Father, I confess you as Lord and I confess you as Savior. And I pray that you would guard my heart. I pray your Holy Spirit would fill me, that you would mold me into a new person, not a better person of the old, not a better version of the old me, but a new person. Father, thank you for saving me. I pray. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I wonder today if there's anybody here that today you prayed to receive Christ. I wonder if you'd do me a favor, if you just lift your hands so that I can know the Holy Spirit's moving. You prayed to receive Jesus today. Amen. 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 God is good. Thank you, Father, for new life. But I wonder today, how many of you maybe came in just bogged down with worry? I want you to know today that we can check our worry at the door and that we can receive a peace, again, that transcends all understanding. And so I'm going to ask it right where you are. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We're going to do something a little different. Let's stand this morning. And if you want the peace of God, Again, this peace that transcends all understanding. I'm going to ask that you just put your hands out in front of you, open them up, open them up like this with your, with your palms up. See, I believe the peace of God is a real thing. Just like Paul said, it's something that will guard your heart and mind. So if you want that peace today, I'm just going to pray for you. Father, today, as we stand in this moment, Father, I help. I ask that you help us to realize that we can trust you with all of our heart. Father, and because of that, there's no need to worry. There's no need to panic. And so right now, I just pray that you would pour out your peace upon us. I pray that we would receive it. Father, I pray that once we leave this place, we will take it with us. Father, again, I just pray. I pray that you would give us this peace. Father, we just want to know that you're near. So, Father, help us to know that right now. It's in Jesus' name I pray.